Jesus is coming. I want to talk to you about the coming of the Lord and explain the difference between the rapture and the visible return of the Lord. Thank you for joining me today. This is going to be a very important teaching. I am doing it today, tomorrow, and Wednesday, and I'm asking you to be with me because I believe with all my heart God will use it not only to bless your life, but to use you in these last days to reach many for the Lord. And then I'm going to pray for the sick at the end of today's program with you, tomorrow and Wednesday. And let us now believe the Lord to touch us. Wonderful Jesus, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that a mighty fire will burn in each one of us as we hear your precious promises. We give you the praise and Lord meet every need, I pray. Amen and amen. And remember, at the end, I will be praying for the sake for a few minutes. Let's go to John 14, and I'm going to read verse 3, and thank you again for being with me today. Wonderful family. Now, I want to give you just some scriptures to begin with. John 14, 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That is clearly the rapture of the church. Now, let me say this. The coming of the Lord is one event with two stages. This is the first stage, what we call the rapture, the great catching up of the church. The next I want to show you is in Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. Now make sure you write all these beautiful scriptures down and go through them again and read them again. I think you'll be greatly blessed. In verse 20, it says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Notice that John 14 and Philippians 3 deal with us, the people of God. Jesus said, I'm coming for you. I go to prepare a place for you. Here, he's going to change our vile bodies. We're going to be transformed to, to look like the Lord. That cannot be the world. It is the church only. I will show you on tomorrow's program uh, different scriptures where you can compare. Okay, this is the church. This is the world. Quite simple. Let's go now to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, a very familiar portion. You know, and the Bible says that these scriptures comfort us. We need to be comforted by the Word of God when it comes to God's blessed Word. Let me just go back here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. It says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Again, now this has to do with the church because it talks about those in Christ. Then we which are alive again in Christ and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So, you and I are going to meet our loved ones in the air, not in heaven, in the air. The, the dead in Christ will rise, the living in Christ will be 
caught up together and we will meet in the air. And so it says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, the Bible says that the Lord will appear for those who look for him. So this cannot be the world. This is the church only because we're the only ones looking for the Lord. We're the ones crying, come Lord Jesus. So verse 28, Hebrews 9 now, verse 28, Hebrews 9, 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Notice that all these scriptures deal with the church meeting the Lord. Now, the coming of the Lord is mentioned 318 times just in the New Testament. That's 260 chapters. Think about that. That's one in every 25 verses. It's of high importance to God that the Lord would mention the coming of his son, the coming of the Lord Jesus, 318 times just in the New Testament. That's in 260 chapters, one in every 25 verses. But it's also in the Old Testament. Let's go to Isaiah 40. There are many scriptures in the Old Covenant also dealing with the rapture of the church, with the coming of the Lord. Let me show you one that is really powerful, and that is in the book of Isaiah. In fact, there's more than one in Isaiah. But I want to begin with Isaiah 40, and I want to read verse 9 and 10. And I want to show you the difference now. In this portion, you will see both rapture and visible return, the two events in one coming. In verse 9 of Isaiah 40, it says, O Zion, God is speaking to the church that bringeth good tidings. He's not talking to the world now. He's talking to you and me. Get thee up into the high mountain. That means God's government. O Jerusalem, again here, the church that bringeth good tidings. It's not talking about Jerusalem that is presently now in Israel. It's talking about new Jerusalem. Lift up your voice with strength. It's all about the church. Lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Don't be afraid. Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, speaks again of the church, behold your God. So God wants you and I to prepare the believers everywhere. That's why I'm doing this with you today, to say, he's coming. Behold your God. Everything within us is crying, come Lord Jesus. The last prayer in the Bible is, come Lord Jesus. High importance is placed on the coming of the Lord. Now, notice verse 10 of Isaiah 40. A whole different picture in verse 10. Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand. This cannot be the rapture. Verse 10 is the visible return well, the Lord will come with a strong hand, meaning a hand of authority, a hand uh, to subdue the rebellion on earth. The thousand-year reign of Christ, the reason for it is to subdue all rebellion. God says to his son in the Psalms, come sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. All rebellion must be submitted to the Lord. The first thing is also found in 1 
Corinthians 15. He must reign until all rebellion has been put down and the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. So, but now we are reading that the Lord will come with a strong hand, a hand of authority. His arm shall rule for him. When you see the word rule, it speaks of the visible return of the Lord, not the rapture of the church. How amazing that Isaiah 40 verse 9 talks about the Lord coming to his people. And it says, behold, your God, your God. Well, that's not the world. And then it says he will come with a strong hand, verse 10. His arm will rule for him. That's over the world. Behold, his reward is with him. His work is before him. How beautiful. So when you read, you know, portions like this, you can begin to compare what is the rapture and what is the visible coming. Why am I dealing with this? Well, because there's a lot of different voices out there today who don't know what, the, what they're talking about, frankly, the, who, who say there's no rapture, there's no such thing as pre-trib, all that stuff. Look, look, it's quite simple. You have to ask yourself one question. Has God ever judged the righteous with the wicked? Simple. Has ever God judged the righteous and the wicked together? Abraham knew to say to the Lord, it's not likely to judge the righteous and the wicked. Think about every city destroyed during the Great Tribulation, every island gone, wars, famines, pestilence, millions will die. Will the righteous be here? That's not possible. When every city is destroyed, when plagues will hit humanity, unseen ever, no. God will protect his people, and that is given to us clearly in Scripture. Not only with Noah, who was protected in the ark, not only with Lot, who was taken out of Sodom and Gomorrah, not only with Egypt, that were protected in the place of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, so much more. Let me show you Isaiah 26. We're in, in Isaiah. Let's just go back to chapter 26, and let me show you Two amazing verses that you have got to, you know, show these people that say, well, we're going to go through the tribulation. No, we are not. Look what Isaiah says about it. So this is both Old and New Testament. Come, I'm reading verse 20, Isaiah 26. Come, my people. He's not talking to, to the world. Come, my people. Enter thou into thy chambers. Shut thy doors about thee, hide thyself as it were, for a little moment, that little moment would be, would be seven years, until the indignation be overpassed. Why? The Lord cometh out of his place, verse 21, to punish who? The inhabitants of the earth, not the church, for their iniquity, the earth, also shall disclose her blood and will no more cover her slain. So many will die, there won't be enough graves to bury them. Now there are people today who scoff at that. And Peter told us in the last days that people will scoff at the coming of the Lord. They say, well, we've heard that before, it's not going to happen, all that. No, no, no. It's in the Word of God, clearly, in Second Peter 3, verse 3 and 4. It says this, 
knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? So they deny that the Lord will come for his church. They deny the coming of the Lord altogether. You know, it's very interesting that the carnal, even the unbelievers, many of them believe Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus rose again, even the devil believes that. But they just don't believe he's coming back. So a carnal believer, the way you can tell the difference between a believer who's walking with God, he's looking for the return of the Lord Jesus. But those who are not walking with God and call themselves believers are not looking for the coming of the Lord. They're, they're looking to, to succeed in life and live this and get that, whatever. But they're not looking for the coming of the Lord. That's the difference. So it says here, scoffers will come in the last days saying, you know what? We don't believe it. What is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue. So these people have got me the children of fathers who were walking with God at one time. So as they were from the beginning of the creation, for this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. So they ignore the fact that God at once destroyed the world and will destroy it again by fire, but they actually ignore that. But anyone who ignores the coming of the Lord, frankly, doesn't really, uh, is he's not looking for it, is he? They're not looking. And the Bible says in Hebrews 9 that he will appear for those who look for him. He's coming for those who look for him. Now, let me show you something. And this is very, very amazing. In Matthew 24, and we've all read, I'm sure, as believers, Matthew 24, and verse 44, and I want to point something out to you. Whenever the Lord talks about that he will come as a thief in the night, or come at a time when no one is thinking about it, it's the rapture. So every time you read a scripture, like Matthew 24, 44 through 46, or Luke 21, 34 to 36, it talks about the rapture, where the Lord comes as a thief. At the moment, you're not thinking or even expecting it. So it says in verse 44 of Matthew 24, Therefore, be you also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. Now, wait a minute. The visible return will happen after seven years of such destruction and supernatural manifestations that have never, have never been seen on the planet. You know, I, I'm going to ask you a question. How many people saw the Lord Jesus rise from the dead? None. Yet the apostles believed he did and followed him. How many will see Elijah come back and rise from the dead? And Enoch, I don't, I, you know, I don't believe it will be Moses who will come back. Some believe that. But even if it's Moses, okay, two men will rise from, from the dead and the whole world will see it. The whole world will see it. They're going to see Elijah, Moses, possibly Enoch, arise from the dead, ascend to heaven, and the world will still reject and blaspheme God. So there will be no atheists during the Great Tribulation because they're going to see amazing signs and wonders and so much more. 
They're going to hear the voice of God and they'll reject him still. So it says here that the Lord is coming when it comes to the church at an hour we're not ready. We're not even thinking, I should say, about it. And some probably are not ready. That's why we're talking about it right now. So we can all be ready for it. But the world, they will be looking for something to say, okay, why is all this happening? So they're not going to be caught unaware, is my point. So who is then that faithful and wise servant? You see, the Lord is connecting both with his people, the servants of the Lord, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his, his household. So the Lord is here connecting very clearly the church, preachers, and the fact that when he comes, it's going to happen secretly, all right? The visible return will not happen secretly. Now let's look at Luke 21, a most remarkable chapter about the coming of the, of the Lord, and let's look at verse 34. Again, you see, this is the rapture of the church. It says, and take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting or carousing and drunkenness and the cares of this life, so that this day will come upon you unaware, as a snare will it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth, meaning that the world will not even know till, the, that, till millions disappear. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape. Well, why escape if there's no rapture? This fits with Isaiah 20, 26. All these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Now, I want to show you the secret to being ready. And I'm talking to you today very openly, one-on-one, -on -one, because I really want you to be ready. We all must be ready. How? First John chapter 2, verse 28. Go there and watch it with me. Let's read that verse together, okay? First John 2 and verse 28 says these beautiful words, and, and this is the key right here. This is the key. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence, and be not ashamed before him at his coming. Wow. Little children, it's talking to the church, you and I, abide in him, that when the Lord will appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed. So what's the key? Abiding. Abiding in the Lord is the key. Now, what does the rapture cause? Well, the rapture produces seven things in your life. Because if there's no rapture, none of those things will be reality in our life. So num number one, watchfulness. Why be watchful if the Lord is not coming for the church and the church is going to go through the tribulation? It says be watchful. So the rapture creates watchfulness. Let's get ready. Let's be prepared. Number two. Number two, the rapture also creates purity, a life of purity. Why, you know, purify ourselves if we don't believe the Lord is coming to take us home first? See? So those who believe in the rapture are going to stay clean before the Lord to make sure that when he comes, they're ready. 
love of purity. Number three, a life of wisdom. You know, what is wisdom? Wisdom is being able to tell things you can't see yet visibly. Those who will be here during the tribulation, it's going to be all around them. They don't need wisdom. But when things are okay, you need wisdom to see what's behind that, what's ahead of that. So wisdom disappears without the rapture. What else? A life of activity, productivity for the Lord. He said, occupy till I come. Why occupy if we don't believe he's coming for us? Why not preach the gospel? Why not do what he's called us to do? What else? Well, a life of simplicity. Uh, Simplicity produces uh, or is produced because we're looking for the coming of the Lord. We're waiting for his coming. We don't want any uh, extra weight on us. So a life of simplicity where we just let go of the extra weight that can slow us down. See, So simplicity is, the, is also one of those things that would happen when we're looking for the coming of the Lord. What else? A life of self-restraint. That's when you take up your cross and follow him because you want to be ready for him and to be accepted by him. What, what else? Prayer. Why pray if we don't believe he's coming at an hour when we're not ready? And the Lord said, pray that you may be worthy to escape. And finally, abiding. A life of, of abiding in the Lord. You see those seven things. Number one, the rapture produces watchfulness. The rapture produces purity. The rapture pr- produces wisdom. Activity for the Lord. Where we're busy for the Lord simplicity, self-restraint, prayer, and of course, abiding, I think is the final result, frankly, where we are abiding. Frankly, there's actually eight of them, not seven. Think about those amazing results in your life because of the rapture. You are, you're ready to receive, you're ready to welcome the King of Heaven. I think it's wonderful. Okay, finally, before we pray, and we're going to pray in just a few moments. In fact, uh, dear Chad, let's let's begin playing that beautiful worship music to prepare the people's hearts as I'm concluding my teaching, okay? So start playing it right now, please, if you don't mind. Luke 12 and verse 35. I can't hear the music at all. Ah, beautiful. Yeah, there we go. Let's pick it up just a little bit, a little extra volume. Let your loins be girded about your lights burning. That's what God wants. And you yourselves like unto men that wait for the Lord when he will return from the wedding. That when he comes and knocks, they may open unto him immediately. So let's let's do what the Bible says. Let's put a girdle of God's word around our life. Let our lights shine that we can be prepared for the coming of our precious Redeemer. Now I want to pray with you that God will prepare you and even now touch and heal you. Lord, oh, I give you praise, Jesus. 
Why don't you stretch your hands towards me? I'm stretching my hands and my faith towards you. Let's believe. For he said, if two will agree, you'll do it. Dearest Jesus, prepare each heart. Prepare every one of them, I pray, for your coming. Now, Lord, also those in need of healing, heal them, I pray, Lord. You declared, I am the God that healeth thee. And I rebuke sickness. And I rebuke disease. And I rebuke infirmity. In the name of Jesus. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. O saint of God, be made whole from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Be healed now. In Jesus' name. Just call upon his name. Just call upon his holy name, Jesus. Just say, dear Jesus, touch me. Dear Jesus, heal me. Dear Jesus, set me free from my bondage. Set me free from my sins. Amen, Lord. Touch, I pray right now. Someone's leg has just been healed, completely healed by the power of God. Your right leg has been healed. You've had troubles with your muscles. You've had troubles with your muscles in your right leg. There have been some infections. But the Lord has healed that completely. I give you praise, Lord. Someone with a heart condition, you've had a lot of troubles breathing lately. You've gone to your doctor. The doctor said you may need an operation on your heart, but you feel tremendous warmth just came all over you. That's a beautiful warmth just enveloped you. That's the part of God. That's the part of God. Be made whole. Be made whole in Jesus' name. An infection of someone's gums. An infection of someone's gums, especially on the lower part of your jaw. Lord, heal that in Jesus' name. Yeah. I just saw someone's ear pop open. I just saw someone's ear just pop open. Receive that healing in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Um, someone had a burn. Uh, some hot water fell on you. And you've, uh, you've had a lot of pain. You've used different creams, but nothing has helped. You just felt something come on you like very cool, almost like a, a breeze. <laughs> a cool breeze. And by tomorrow morning, everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. Somebody's praying for a son, Joel. Joel is his name. You're praying that God will set him free from alcohol and drugs. Lord, we're believing with this wonderful mom for her son, Joel, to be free. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. And now I want to pray with you for your finances. Bring the music down just a little bit, please, Chad. I want to pray with you for your finances, that God will, will bless you financially, that he'll take away the burden out of your heart for your financial needs. You know, listen, God cares about our finances. It says casting all your cares on him. He cares for us. But it's, it's also an act of faith. You know why I say to people, stretch your hands towards me. Just an act of faith. Well, it's, it's the same with giving. It's an act of faith. 
But I want to pray with you right now that God will bless you financially in the coming days, not only today, but in the future. Let's agree. Father, in Jesus' name, bless them. Bless them greatly, Lord, in their finance. Bless their business, Lord. Those who need a new job, help them, Lord, find it. Those who need a new business or they want to see their business blessed, Lord, grant that request in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. A lady, hmm, you're in need of $2,000 by tomorrow. And it's going to show up in the mail. The Lord going to send it to someone. He, he, he already spoke to someone about that to help you. And in the mail, you have a big surprise coming tomorrow. You know, I, I rarely get words of knowledge like that, about money like that. But, but you've been faithful in giving, and the Lord is, is going to bless you. He's not forgotten you. So as you sow your seed, you sweet people, listening and watching this, if you're asking God for a miracle, He'll do it. I'm talking about financial miracle. He'll do it, because He promised it in His Word. So you can sow your seed now on the platform you're watching me on. You can sow your seed by going to our website, benihin.org. You can give by text, simply text, BHM 45777. Tomorrow I'm going to continue the teaching, and I'm going to show you a lot more about the coming of, of the Lord. In fact, I'm going to talk about the manner of the coming of the Lord. A lot of beautiful things tomorrow coming, so be, be with me. Then a very special program uh, on Wednesday too. I'm going, to, I'm going to continue this for three days just to prepare you, to encourage you, to bless you. All right, I'll see you again tomorrow. Much love. Shalom.